Oh my God, it is the week before my son leaves for college. And I've been talking about this on the podcast and on the radio, and pretty much everybody in the world says, how are you doing? How are you feeling about Carson leaving for college? Not good, but I have some good news for you because this morning we have a guest here on the podcast who's going to talk about what to expect and how to prepare yourself and how to prepare your kid for when they leave for college. But I think there's some things in this podcast that are going to translate to areas of our life that are not just about your kid leaving for college. Let's get started this week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. People say bring a big box of Kleenex because when I drop Carson off at college next week, that I'm going to cry all the way home. Oh, screw that. I've been crying. Whenever I think about this, I'll probably cry during this podcast. But we have someone here to walk me through it. And it's Kelly. Is it Ratty? Kelly Ratty. How do you know anything, Kelly? You wrote a book, Out to Sea, A Parent's Guide to the Freshman Voyage. How do you know about this? Tell me the story about crying in the grocery store. What happened, Kelly? That was awful. It was a couple days after we dropped our firstborn off at school, and I was going about my business, and uh, aisle number five, breads and cereals, ready to go pick up great grains, which, of course, was our daughter's favorite. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> Got the cereal box in my hand, and the water work started. I realized I didn't have to buy them until Christmas. Oh, God. It was horrible. That's the thing. I look in the cupboard, it's like all the Pringles and Monster Energy drinks and this cereal and that. We're not going to eat that. And then I think of things like, well, his spot at the dinner table. Well, their spot at the dinner table is going to be empty, too. You're going to pick up an extra plate for the first couple of weeks to set oh. the table. I'm just warning you, Dave. Okay. It's well, real. thank you. And it's bittersweet. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, I always talk, try to get myself to believe that. Well, you got an option. I mean, you got there's two ways it can go. There's several ways it can go, but basically you could have a kid that has no ambition, that doesn't want to do anything and will wants to live in your basement and smoke weed for the rest of their life. <laughs> or you can have a kid that's like, Yeah, I'm kinda nervous and I'm kinda gonna be I'll be homesick, but I wanna go. You'd much rather have kid number two, right? I think so. And you know, you raise them to be these confident, independent, smart kids, and then well shoot, they are. Yeah. And then they right? leave you. And then, and then they, they leave, leave you. you. And you and I both, anybody who's an adult has been in that situation where they finally left home. And when you're leaving home, you're so excited. You're not thinking about mom and dad's emotions. I'm going to tear up as I talk here. Uh, <laughs> forgive me because I'm going to tear up several times during this conversation, Kelly. I get it. But, but the kid is so excited, they're not even really thinking that much about how it feels to mom and dad. They're processing their own emotions. And, and a lot of them are excited, but under the surface, they're a little scared too. They may not admit it. Yeah. But they are. It's a big deal. It's a big deal whether you're a parent, whether you're a student, and just figuring out how to navigate it as a parent so you can make it a lot smoother. Give me some tips. There's a bit. We have a book here, and the book is a couple of hundred pages thick. Give me some of the stuff, like, off the top of your head that's going to help me, and then I can pass along to my son or anybody else that's listening that might help, too. What can we do to get through all this? Well, there's so many practical things, but I'm going to start with what I call the ultimate goal of parenting. Okay. Believe it or not, I think every parent has the same ultimate goal. And that is we want healthy, happy young adults yep. who are equipped to function in the real world. 
No, that's exactly Pretty it. Pretty basic, mean, right? I, I, that's what I, I have a friend who's going through the same thing with her son. She lives in Ohio, and it's like I just want him to be happy, and of course you want him to be. They, you want them to be eventually self-reliant. Able to adult, because that's now an action word. Absol- absolutely, <laughs> yes. Um, you want them to be able to provide for themselves, to stay out of trouble, mm-hmm. to stay safe and make decent decisions. And you want all those. That's, that is the goal of parenting. The trick is to use that ultimate goal as your gauge. Okay. Because honestly, I'm going to make you cry, Yeah. but the kid you drop off next week is not going to be the same kid who comes home next spring. Tell it's me more about that. It's not going to be the same person. Why is that? Oh, so much growth and maturity and, and learning and, and good stuff and bad stuff all happens in the freshman year. And it's mind-blowing how much they grow up in. Can I tell months. you? I hope so, because I'm going to be real <laughs> honest with you. Carson blows my mind at how dumb he is sometimes. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Can I tell you? This is a true story. So Carson is... He's kind of dopey. He's so smart in school and things that he's interested in. But he, for example, we're installing shelving one time and I'm like, okay, I'm showing him how to do this. He's like 15 or 16 years old. Carson, take this screwdriver, take that um, outlet plate off the wall. There's, you know, an electrical outlet, take the plate off the wall. He had no idea what he was talking about. He was actually about to stick the screwdriver into the outlet. I'm stuck. Oh, no. No. (laughs) It gets worse, Kelly. The other day I said... Feed the cat. Take this canned cat food. The cat is on medical cat food, whatever. And I said, take the can and feed the cat. Take the leftovers and put it in the fridge. I go back to see if he did it. He had taken the half open can, the half empty can of cat food, put the lid kind of back on, the metal uh, lid back yuck. on, and put it in the cupboard. Put it in yeah, the cupboard. Oh, yuck. Even worse. Yeah. And I said, what were you thinking? He's like, what? What? Is that Okay. I said, are you crazy? We're going to poison the cat, honey. <laughs> so I hope that my kid does come back a little more mature, a little more they smart. Well, they have to when yeah. you're not there doing it for them. Because as parents, we want to teach. We want to fix. I don't know about you, but I put the fixer hat on a little too often. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a shift. It's a shift in how you look at things. If you keep that ultimate goal as a gauge, it's huge. Because you start to parent a little differently when you're thinking about, okay, is what I'm doing going to help him or her become a self-reliant adult equipped to function in the real world. And the other big, okay, this is mind blowing now. I'm doing research as I'm writing this book and I'm interviewing everything from professors and students and parents and psychologists and, and academic advisors and, and administrators at high school and college level. And one of the most basic, but powerful pieces of advice I got was wait for it. College is not, High school. Duh. Right? right. But it what do we really mean by that? requires a shift in thinking. Okay. College is not high school. Yeah. College does not look or feel or taste or smell the same as high school. And roles change. Responsibilities change. Expectations change. And I'm not just talking about the students. Right. Parents too. Yeah. Our roles have to evolve. We have to start... Treating them more like we're mentors than parents, which is way easy to say okay. and way hard to do. Okay. Because you've been pouring your heart and soul into this kid for 18 plus years. Yeah. And now you're just supposed to walk onto a college campus, you know, haul their futon upstairs, haul their crap upstairs, yep. plop them down and walk away. Right. That's a big shift in thinking from 
this is the same kid coming to the dinner table, hearing about their day, talking with them, seeing them. Yeah. And we're connected from our back pockets with our cell phones. Sure. But giving them the freedom to make a few mistakes, maybe. Well, see, that's what I'm worried about is that I don't want to call Carson every day or text him every day and say, how's it going? Did you get up on time? That type of thing. Um, I'm going to call you a liar. Are you sure you don't want to? I want to. <laughs> but at the same time, I want no, him you to. Can't. I want him to get involved in his own. I said, when you go there, this is home. This is your new home. Mm -hmm. Make your friends, get involved. I'll FaceTime you on Sunday, and I'll text you a couple of times a week to see how you're doing, especially more the first. So let let me start with this one. How much contact is enough contact when your kid goes off to college? Okay, I'm laughing because that is the number one question I get from parents. Yeah. How much can or should? What's the magic number of week for texts and phone calls? Yeah. I wish it were that easy. I wish I could say, hey, it's seven. But there's no easy answer. It's different for every family. It's different for every individual, every student. Some need that daily check-in. And only, you know, you know your kid better than anybody else is going to know your kid. Other students really need that freedom to figure out that newfound independence and the responsibility piece. And so it really depends on you and your student. But as parents... We're curious. We're living vicariously through them. We want the check-in. But it's not always in the best interest of the student. And okay. it's it's a judgment call. I know one of the questions I asked when I was interviewing uh, folks for information for the book was, okay, in terms of parental involvement, how much is too much? Yeah. Like, where's that line? Fair question. And the response was consistently, it's too much when it inhibits the growth and development of the student. Takes us right back to the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. If we want healthy, happy young adults equipped to function in the real world, how much is too much? How much is enough? Okay. No easy answer. I wish there was a one-size-fits-all, but it's not. There's so much to talk about. One of the things that I've worried about with Carson is that he's got two roommates. Okay. And I'm like, okay, when you have three people together, three's a crowd, One's going to be the third wheel. Likely. I don't know for sure. Maybe they'll all be lifelong friends. I said, Carson, try not to be the third wheel. And if there is a third wheel, try to include that third wheel so that kid doesn't get lonely. Give me some practical tips or a story about roommates or anything about roommates that people should watch for or know. Okay. One of the things that came up as I was researching was don't feel like you have to be BFFs with your roommates. You, you can be great roommates and not be attached at the hip and okay. in all the same activities and going. So I think if students know that, it takes some of the pressure off. That doesn't mean don't be kind and friendly and friends with your roommate, but you can branch out beyond your dorm or your living situation. Okay. So that's probably the biggest advice. Is that's a good one. Don't put that pressure on yourself. Don't put that pressure. Can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. Got to work backwards a little okay. bit here to something that we could have touched on earlier, but I've known... A handful of students who have gone off to the college of their dreams, and a month later, they hate it, they drop out, and they come home. How do you know whether your kid should come home or not? Because I've told Carson, I said, you go out there, you make it work. I said, you always have the safety net. If for some reason it's the worst experience of your life, you can always come home. You have a safety net. Right. And, uh, but I said, but you're not. You're going to go out there and you're going to give it 110% and make it work. So how do you know if things aren't working? Is there an answer on that? Oh, and again, it's, there's no one size fits all because, you know, everybody comes in with their own 
physical, emotional, mental state and baggage. And so it's hard to give a, a one size fits all answer. I do think committing to for sure one semester. Okay. Because honestly, it starts about a month in is when parents start to get the phone calls. Because let's let's take a step back. Because we are connected via modern technology, it's a blessing and a curse, right? Yep. yep. The blessing, we're the most connected generation to date. The curse, yeah. we're the most connected generations to date. And mm-hmm. and our students, I'm going to sound really old, you know, kids nowadays, but the, the kids of today, the college students of today have grown up literally carrying mom and dad around in their pocket. Right. We are a, a speed dial away. Mm-hmm. And what's happened just as a, a byproduct of this is that before they take the time to do some critical thinking or maybe problem solving or solutions, they pick up the phone and call the lifeline. Okay, right. We can bounce ideas. We can Google or we can call mom and dad. Yeah. And instead of taking the time to process, they're calling us, which then leads us down the path of, oh, I'm going to fix it because that's what I always have done. We fix things. We are fixers. We need to switch and become facilitators, not fixers. But so it's about a month into the school year, the novel, the honeymoon, the novelty is wearing off of campus life. That charming roommate might have some annoying qualities that Mm -hmm. we didn't notice right away. Mm -hmm. Or heaven forbid, a really good student is going to get their first D on a paper. Oh, yeah. And you're going to get the call as a parent saying, oh, my gosh, I'm flunking out of chemistry. I'm going to have to drop out of college. I'm going to have to come home and my roommate's not fun and my girlfriend dumped me and and it's just going to blow up. Right. And you're going to get the call and it's going to be raw and it's going to seem urgent. So the first thing as a parent that you need to do is is ask yourself, one, are they really, is this a red flag? Is, are they really, truly in trouble? Is this an emergency? Yeah. Really, truly. Because you want to know whether to take it seriously or right. not. Because I opened up one and, chapter and yeah. it said suicide. And, well, and, yes. and, and that's yes. something that we never talk about it. But we hear so much about it and we worry like, oh, my God, it's going to be one of those signs where we don't know that they're that bad off. And then you get some horrible phone call. Well, and generally speaking, you know, if it's a month into the first year, again, you are going to know your student better than anybody else. You're going to know in your gut if it is truly what I call the red flag, where you need to take some very appropriate, significant, immediate action. Or on the flip side, which is the most likely option that's going to be happening is they're going to be calling to vent. They're going to dump the drama of the day on you before they've ever even gone, gee, what's my role in this? How can I find a solution? What's the next best step of action? They just need to dump and we're the dumping grounds. Okay. Still <laughs> not their friends, not their other friends at college. You're going to their... get the bulk of it. Okay. Cause they don't want anybody at school to know they're not game on. Yeah. And so here's a great example. You get the call saying, Oh my gosh, I, I bombed a chemistry test. I'm going to have to drop out of school. I'm going to have to come live in your basement. I'm going to have to, you know, blah, blah, blah. What you need to do when you've identified that it's just a venting situation, first listen, just let them dump. And instead of putting the fix-it hat on, start asking some questions. Go, well, okay, so tell me about it. And then listen, let them dump some more, and then you're going to wow them because as a parent, you've already done your homework, and you have identified resources available for students on campus. And I do outline a bunch of them in the book to clarify. You're going to know. So you're going to say, well, gosh, so, well, first of all, you've been going to class, right? 
because it's pretty hard to to be successful if they're not actually showing up right, in the yeah. classroom. And yes. you may ask them if they're getting enough rest just because that is the most underrated uh, aspect of student success is sleep. Because <laughs> they don't think they need to. Uh, they're and like, they they're do, like, oh, but they yeah, don't I only got three so. hours of sleep last night. or only, I, I stayed up all night. I pulled an all-nighter. Yeah, 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 yeah. But then what you need to do is ask the question and go, well, okay, so what did your professor say when you went in during office hours? And you're going to hear crickets for a minute because they don't think you know about this. But on the first day of every class, of every class, the professor will hand out a syllabus that will list some expectations and schedules. And on it will be office hours, which is essentially open door time in the office where the professor is available for walk-ins. So if you are truly struggling and not grasping a concept as a student, that's where you go in and ask your question. Okay. And there's also tutor centers. On every campus. So there's all kinds so of resources. So you can say, hey, what, what does the tutor center say? Have you found a tutor? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, mm. Yeah. Instead of telling them, well, I'm going to call the tutor center and schedule you an appointment, you're going to ask them, hey, have you done this? What about that? You know, what does your study group say? I mean, you can take it as far as you want. Do you think you need to meet with your academic advisor? If you're serious about it changing your trajectory, maybe you need to look at the big picture. You're giving them the tools, but you're not doing it. It's their tools. They got to do it. And they have to do the advocating. But you can certainly just kind of guide them down the right path. And then you get to hang up the phone and go, yes, my kid called me as a trusted support system. Right. And I actually call it anchors and sales. You know, you notice the book's got a little nautical theme. Okay, right, because it so, says um, uh, a it's got a ship. It says out to sea, a parent's guide to the freshman voyage. Exactly. So it is kind of a nautical theme. Yes. So I go with anchors and sails, meaning you said it earlier. You are the soft place to land. You are always going to be there for him when he needs you. You are providing that place to anchor and check in and feel the love, feel the support. You've given him a foundation. There's your anchor. Now you got to encourage and empower him to raise those sails. It's up to him to do the sailing. You get to be the anchor and provide wind for those sails. I like one of the quotes that I just thumbed to in the book. It says something about how a ship in the harbor is safe, but ships weren't meant to stay that's in the not harbor. That's what ships were built what for. What do you mean by that? I think you I know, get it, but a, what do you mean? That is from a, a Mr. Shedd, J.A. Shedd. And, and if you apply that to the college life, you know, you think of these, think of our kids as young sailors. They're just leaving the dry docks of high school, okay. right? We're going nautical here. And now they are plopped in the real waters of the safe harbor of the university. It's a harbor. It's a little safer. They've got some protections in place. They are going to be put, you know, they're getting their feet wet. They're going to be put in uncomfortable situations. They are going to meet new people, learn new concepts, new opinions, new ideas, new knowledge. They're also going to be given the tools. The educational component, the communication skills, so that hopefully in four years, ding, 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 uh, that they will graduate and be prepared to launch out into the big open ocean of real life. Ships aren't meant to stay in the harbor forever. They got to be prepared to set sail. Uh, You were talking about, you briefly mentioned like, um, you know, something, a hint about changing majors. And it's interesting because, Kelly, you have your own story about changing majors that's really interesting to me what happened. <laughs> interesting or gross, we're not sure. Right, right. You know, parents 
freak out when their kids say, oh, I'm going to change my major. Because, you know, we, we get this idea that at 17, 18, 19, they're supposed to have their trajectory planned out for the rest of their lives. Yeah, sure. Yeah, good luck with that. Uh, the average student and statistics may have changed now, but it's two to three times they change, they change their, their major two or three times. Yes, yes, it's not uncommon. Wow! And actually, the most common major for first-year students is undecided. So parents really stop okay. freaking out. There are careers out there that 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 don't exist today that will when this year's first-year students graduate. Okay. Just think about that for a minute. There are careers that don't exist. Now, going to college, you're getting exposed to all these different careers. Have them take a few classes in a little bit of an outlying area. Um, you'd be amazed. We, I know somebody who started out as a business major who is now going into law enforcement. Really? All because she took one class out of curiosity, and it, it's her calling. It absolutely resonated with her. Okay. And so my major, my major change, my, I was, I wanted to be a pilot, period. From age three, I was going to be a pilot. Wow, I did not cool. have a plan B. No, see, I love this because I'm a pilot too. I know, so I love I this. Love not it. professionally, but, nope, nope. but for fun. Yeah. Oh, I, uh, I had a you babysitter were who be went on to be a pilot okay. when I was a little girl, but I knew Kelly was going to be a pilot. So I chose my university based on that and went up to God's country up in North Dakota. Oh, yeah. And uh, signed up for flight courses in the, the pilot major, not just aviation, but f- with a flight emphasis. And was ready to start my flight training. And I was scheduled to fly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. up on the beautiful plains of North Dakota. Mm-hmm. And I would fly and I'd do my lesson. And then I'd land and I'd sprint for the bathroom. Aww. I got motion sick. Every, Every time. lesson. And the problem is, is it's not like you just get sick and it goes away. I kind of had to sleep it off. Yeah. So I'd get back to my dorm and I'd have to basically oh. nap for four or five hours just to kind of sleep the sickness off. Yeah. Well, guess what you're missing that afternoon? Class. Um, The rest of your classes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, kind of a vicious cycle. And you can't really be a pilot taking drugs for motion sickness. There's some rules about that. You're right. Yeah. So... Here I was, no plan B, sophomore in college, and and side note, took out pretty significant loans for flight costs above and beyond wow. paying for tuition. Sure, because thing. there is cost it's, for it's fuel. It's very expensive major, yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. And so there I sat with several thousands of dollars in flight cost loans already out, and I uh, have to change my major, no plan B. How did you get, how did you, how long did you get into flight training before you realized, I can't do this? I don't even, you know what? I soloed. I stayed. I got enough hours. I to sucked solo? it up and I did it long enough that, to solo. That's a good amount of, that's 20 or 30 hours, probably oh, maybe yeah. 40. Oh, to of mi- hours of misery after. Oh my God, you poor thing. <laughs> this, re, you know, it's, it's, I know what you mean because I went, I don't remember where I went somewhere not too long ago. It was like on a ride somewhere and uh, I think it was Carson and I went to the state fair and we went on a ride that spun me around uh, and you you don't just get off. That's what my and, nightmares are made of right there. I don't like spinny things. <laughs> and I get off and I'm like, I don't feel, I, I don't feel better. I'm glad I'm off, but I did not want to go any rides the rest of the night. Uh-uh. So I know what you mean by that. It's so, a curse. You wow. Know, I admire you for getting that far into it. So, but here's the kid at 19, no, no backup plan. plan. Yep. I had to call my parents. 
who were six hours away and say, here's the deal, guys, I can't do it. I'm done. And, and I had gone to student health and had medical checks to see if there was anything they could do, equilibrium. And I, tried, I did really try to proactively yeah, sure. yeah. fix the problem. It wasn't fixable. And so my parents could tell, you talk about knowing your kid better than anybody else, they could see that I was, I was devastated. And my folks loaded up the car and drove six hours, getting to my dorm at 2 a.m. Aw. Just because they knew I needed them. And did you come home? Did you drop nope, out of NDSU nope, or you I switched stayed, your major? No, oh, UND, let's get the right school. What did I say? <laughs> NDSU. NDSU. There's yeah. a little rivalry there. No. Okay, right. <laughs> no, but um, they came up, we talked through it, and, and just I just needed their emotional support at that point, and they were right there to give it. So a huge, huge parenting win for my folks. Okay. And ultimately, I looked at my transcript and went, gosh, I'm getting 4.0 in all the communication classes and and writing courses and that kind of thing. And ultimately came out with a, a four-year bachelor's in public relations and a two-year degree in aviation. I was wow. still able to get an aviation degree, just not with a flight emphasis. With a pilot emphasis. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Did end up working for the airlines after that. Did you really? Just not. That's cool. What do you do room? now? Well, I mean, you, I know you wrote a book. But I mean, if you're like me, you're not making a living off uh, of your no, book. No, wishful thinking. What are you? What are you doing now? What do you do professionally now? I am a professional motivational speaker. Okay, so I find this fascinating because I love to speak, and 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 I'm not that. I, I I think I'm good at it, but I'm inconsistent. Sometimes I'll do a speech, and sometimes I'm. I it, you can tell when you're you can tell when you're connecting with an audience, and you can tell when you're not connecting with mm-hmm. the audience because they start pulling out their phone or whispering to their Snoozing. neighbor or whatever. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, we're switching gears here okay. a little bit. Okay, okay. If we were going to go to one of your speeches, and, the, and my podcast is all about learning from other people, whether it's learning by mistakes or learning from, oh, let me tell you, I stumbled upon something like I learned not too long ago that a great place to talk to Carson is in the car. Totally. Because you don't mm-hmm. have to make eye contact. And if you want, you can stop the conversation and look out the window without feeling awkward and you're stuck with each other for an hour or two or whatever. So I shared that lesson, something that I've learned. The captive audience. You what bet. would we learn if we went to one of Kelly Ratty's motivational speeches? What would we learn from you that could change our lives for the better? Oh, wow. What a question. I mean, not to put you on the spot or <laughs> oh, anything. Oh, no, no pressure, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, I approach my speaking with the attitude that I'm not the star of the show. The audience is the star of the show. So I I actually spoke in Fridley this morning and to a great group of folks who work in the school district. Okay. But you do your homework. You you learn about the audience's pain points and their successes, their challenges and successes, and I customize everything to align. I ask a lot of questions. I don't just show up. I ask a lot of questions before we ever sit down together and um, use that as my guide. And the other thing you'll learn from Kelly is I'm kind of an open book. And obviously, I just shared the fact that I puked every other day from my sophomore year in mm-hmm. college. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you are authentic and, and where do we learn our best life lessons? Mistakes. Yeah. Oh, it's totally true. And, yeah. you know, I can share where things went well, but I guarantee when I when I think over my life and the things that didn't go well, that's where you learn the greatest life lessons. And so... I think it's connecting with the audience on a on a much more intimate level, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if it's fifty or fifteen hundred. It's it's 
realizing we're all in this thing. We're all doing life together. And if we can look at it as, as our shared goals. And as we, as we do life, I mean, you, you would not be a motivation, motivational speaker if you didn't have a message to impart to people. Um, you know, something silly like, think positively or see the glass is half full. That's, that's kid stuff. That's corny. That's meme stuff. What have you learned that you could share with people who have the podcast, listen to the podcast right okay. now, that they'll walk away going, oh, that's some pretty powerful stuff, Kelly. What, what can you share? Is there anything off the top of your head? Or anything that you love, like your favorite lesson. You know, my favorite life lesson is probably the most timely one. I just released a second book last week. And this book is called Wonderful, Activate Your Inner Superpowers, No Cape Required. (laughs) Okay. And and the goal of that book and, and that speaking topic is for everybody to recognize we each have been given our own inner superpowers. Some of them God-given, some we were born with, some we've developed, some we will still develop. But if we take those inner superpowers and truly use them for greater good, like we'll what? be amazed. For example, give me your, your example. What is your oh, superpower? And, and the other, oh, my superpower is connecting with people. Okay, right. And, and the other thing I think is recognizing each other's strengths. I, I think probably one of the biggest superpowers we can have is our tribe. And I, I write a lot about Wonder Woman. I have a thing for Wonder Woman. Okay. Um, so we all know she had her lasso of truth. We know she had superhuman strengths and superhuman tools. But did you know she was raised on an island? No. She was raised on this tropical paradise island. In her case, it was in an island full of women. That was what made it unique. And so while she has all this other superhuman stuff, I think it was her tribe that was her greatest source of strength. I think her tribe was her superpower and helped these these people, supported her, honored her, taught her, disciplined her, even as she left that island for the, the modern world, if you will. I think the same is true for you and me today. The people we surround ourselves with are our greatest sources of strength. What if we have nothing but miserable, rotten awful people around us, or at least too many. Maybe you work with a bunch of negative people mm-hmm. who look Been at the there. clock all day and they can't wait to go to happy hour because this place sucks. What can you do if you don't have yourself surrounded by wonderful people? It's up to you. You are responsible for the energy you bring into a place, and it's up to you to seek out people and identify their superpowers and how you two would align. I, it, You can prune your mm-hmm. tree. <laughs> you know, right. you can you can remove people who you you can't work to your fullest potential. You can't be successful professionally or personally if all you are is surrounded by people who want to take you out at the knees. Would you agree? I, I, I heard this somewhere and I really believe this that your friends determine your luck. Mm. So I think what I get out of that is people be like, oh, I got the worst luck. I got busted for weed possession. Then I got a DUI. Then I lost my job because I got stealing. You know, they they accused me from stealing out of the cash register. And it's like, well, is any of this true? Well, I mean, yeah. Well, what about the people that you're hanging out with? Who are you hanging out with? Are are they encouraging that? Are they like also smoking a lot of weed and drinking and driving? And they think it's Mm -hmm. okay to steal because if you need money, well, a good way to get it is to steal it. 
And I've I was put I've always pushed that on Carson too, mm-hmm. because Carson hangs out with really great kids. But there's been some sketchy kids that he's hanged out hung out with too. So your friends determine your luck. I've I've never heard it said with luck, but I agree. And I, I I've heard it where it was something to the effect of, and I'm probably gonna completely massacre this quote, but you are the sum of the five or your future is the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. I think that's true. Yeah. I think the thing is that that, that's for sure. I'm in a lucky position now. I mean, I've worked here at KWB long enough that I kind of get to choose who I get to work with. And if I want to fire somebody, most of the time I can fire them. And I've actually fired a couple of people in the 26 years that I've been here because they just became somebody that was not someone that I thought was the best person to work with was is a really nice way to put it well, not but, bringing not bring in the right aspect to your culture well right mm-hmm. yeah or just you know i mean they they wouldn't do that what whatever yeah but fallon and steve and jenny and tina um uh, get the dream team together they're, they're actually really cool and they all bring something really positive they all bring something different i'm looking at my time here and i want to i want to see if there's anything else we're going to go back to the go back to school thing here because okay. I kind of led circle you back, down over, like back. different mm-hmm. things here. So, is there any other stories, anything else that you want to pass along for me or anybody else who's got a kid going off to college, or uh, maybe there's a kid who's 18 years old and they're going off to college for the first time? What else do you? If you left here and you were driving home and you said, "Ah, oh, I forgot to oh, tell Dave this," man. where's your chance? What do you? What would it be? I would say. Um, First of all, as parents, you're not alone. It's bittersweet because obviously we're a little bit sad having mm-hmm. to let him go. And like I said, you've poured 18 years into this human. Yeah. And, and we love him so much. You love him with every fiber of your being. They so, don't understand how much we love him. No, they have no, no, they have no idea. No, no. So just know that it is bittersweet. You're going to be feeling that most likely. But on the flip side, it, it's exciting. I mean, come on, college is not an opportunity to be taken for granted. It's a big deal. And especially in your case, you're going across the country. Yeah, he's... I mean, that's a big deal. Long way away. And so don't beat yourself up if you're feeling one or the other. That would be my first thing is, as parents, it's it's this big mixed basket of emotions and it's okay. So, and it's okay. So don't feel guilty. Don't try to hide it. Bring some Kleenex. It's okay to cry. I would say the other ex- uh, advice I could give, um, actually, I can tell you a story about Please it. Please do. So it was the day we were moving our oldest, which was five years ago this week. She went down to Des Moines to Drake. And I remember we've got, you know, hauled the futon up the three flights of stairs, all that. Yes. Got her moved in. We're sweaty. We're teary, crying. And I just remember gripping my husband Marty's hand, like clenching it as a lifeline. As I am forcing myself to put one foot in front of the other, like get across the street, Kelly, get to the parking lot, just get in the Buick. You know, that that's, I'm forcing myself to do this. I've yeah. got the hot tears coming yeah. down my face, the snot, you know, it's the words hot mess again. Uh, but really every fiber of my being wanted to fling his hand aside and turn around and sprint back across the busy street, back up the sidewalk, back up the steps, back into the red brick building. Yeah. Up three flights of stairs just so I could squeeze one more hug out of her. Yeah. That was like all I could think. And so I did it. You did not. Big mistake. Oh, wait. Well, you did it? I flung his hand oh, aside. Oh, you did it. Oh, Kelly, said, that's not what I expected. I'll be back. I know I should know better. I'll be back. And so I ran back in. I, you know, back across the street, back in the building, up the steps. Her room's empty. Oh. Like she's not there. 
And I'm picturing this girl in a puddle on the floor missing her mother. And she's not in her room. And I'm like, well, shoot, now what? Yeah. I hear her giggle. I hear her laugh float down the hallway from a few doors down. And she is actually getting to know her new floor mates, having the time of her life already. I wasn't even to my car. Wow. She's done crying and hanging she out with friends. She forgot all about <gasps> you. So there's my advice. There's twofold. First one, my husband summed it up. Parents, we need them more than they need us on move-in day, believe it or okay, not. I believe it. They just need us to haul the heavy stuff. Yeah. Uh, secondly, it's it's just when it's time to go, go. Rip off the Band-Aid and go. Don't do what I did. Don't I call it the Minnesota goodbye where you got to go back. Oh, we talk about all the time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Don't do a Minnesota goodbye. Yeah. Leave him a note. Um, give him the big bear hug. Whisper in the ear. Tell him how much you love him and support him and want to see him succeed and that you're always going to be there for him. And then when it's time to go, go. Because you're going to have plenty of time to to think about what you've just done in the car ride on the way home. Oh. You're going to think about it. You're gonna. You're gonna. I just remember thinking, what did we just do? What? just happened no here. i totally see that yeah. then their whole life like his life is going to flash before you. you're going to be like i remember thinking when did we go from from training wheels to driver's license you know when did we go from barney the dinosaur to indie rock and then when did we <laughs> go from from diapers to diplomas yeah and it's gonna be okay can i ask you one more question absolutely because the this is something that if you take the student out of it, take that I mean mm-hmm. you're not going to call them. Your kid is at college. We've talked about calling, texting, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What about you? What about when you get home and to make yourself better, you're not going to call them? Maybe you don't have a partner. Maybe you're in your partner. Let's be honest. A lot. This is a reality of it. A lot of partners, they're not as close as they were 18 years ago when that kid was born. Mm-hmm. That's true, right? Mm-hmm. You've probably run into that. And I, mm-hmm. I have a friend of mine who's like, oh, yeah, there's a lot of people who get divorced once their kids goes off to college. So you might not have that partner to lean on. What can you do for yourself to make it better? Is there Are there steps? Are there things you Don't can do? Don't go buy cereal. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. They no. used to love that Gosh. cereal. You do need to take a moment to think about you and it's going to take some intent to kind of let go of the sadness and focus on the good stuff. And, uh, you know, everything from whether it's taking up tennis lessons, scheduling a happy hour with friends, finding a new hobby. I know it all sounds really cliche. No, but I think it's true. I think staying busy is a really it important thing. It's so important to stay busy. And it's also, if you do have a partner, Put some energy into each other, but understand that each partner is going to handle this just a little differently. Yeah. You know, I'm obviously a talker. I have girlfriends in the same situation, and so we can talk about it. My husband's a little more of a closed book. And so he, I'd catch him when he didn't think I could see him with red, puffy eyes. And he didn't, I didn't know he was crying, but it was pretty obvious. Sure. No, I totally get it. Yeah. And so it's just figuring out how to take care. You're you're tearing up. No, I do it all the time. Yeah, they give me a hard time on the radio because when we when it comes up, I'll be like, big deal, and it's okay. Yeah. Buy lots of Kleenex. I will. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly, for being on. The book is called "Out to Sea: A Parent Survival Guide to the Freshman Voyage," and you brought in a couple of copies. I'm going to keep one for myself. So and then you have, give a couple away. So we can give a couple mm-hmm. away. If you want to send me an email, send an email to 
Dave Ryan at KDWB.com and tell me, hey, I want Kelly's book. Put your address in there and I'll mail one off to you for the first two emails to uh, Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Plug your other book. Here's your big opportunity. Oh, we have my big ne- opportunity? We have nearly four people that listen to the oh. podcast every week. Okay, all Here's your four chance. of you. Yes. The new book that just launched last week is called Wonderful, F-U-L-L. Activate your inner superpowers, no cape required. I love it. And where are these books available? They are available at your favorite bookseller. Okay. Amazon also? We love to shop local. It's also available on Amazon. But shop local. If you can do, because we want our brick and mortar stores to be here for a long time. Aren't bookstores the best? Mm, I love a bookstore. I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Um, Kelly, thanks so much for being on. You were a great guest. Good luck to you. Good luck with your book. And thanks for sharing all your expertise. Do you have a Kleenex? I do, and I'll share it with you. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Thanks, Dave. Uh, You bet. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you listening. As always, uh, check out my book. It's called Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. There's a lot of good kid stuff in there, too, and a lot of people say they give my book to their kids for graduation because there's a lot of life lessons in there, things like um, stay busy, don't loan money, um, how wonderful, delicious cigarettes are and how hard they are to quit and why it's important to work out and all that stuff. Check it out in my book, which is also on Kindle. Uh, if you want to check that out, I think it's like $7.99 on Kindle. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on Take a Shower. Show up on time and don't steal anything.